You are listening to the Becoming Men podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I am your host, Ray De La Nuez, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. And today, men, I am bringing you a topic that is, it's going to settle with you. I know it is. And it's actually, it should inspire you to get out there, get going and get moving because there is so much that we are called to today. You are here for such a time as this. And if you look around in the political atmosphere, even in the education sphere, if you look in the, even guys in our own Christian circles, we are seeing so much chaos, All right? For not, I mean, I'm choosing that word very specifically. We see so much chaos, disorder that is just waiting for us to step into our calling so that we could begin to subdue it. Or did you forget that we were placed on this earth and mandated to subdue it? Just, I mean, real quick, guys, if we just take a quick assessment of what our country is going through right now, I think you would see that there is a huge, huge, huge push against the church, against righteousness, against masculinity. And it is because the enemy sees the value of all of those things, right? Like the enemy does not spend time counterfeiting $1 bills. Why? Because at the end of the day, guys, a counterfeit $1 bill is worth a dollar. But if he would waste his time counterfeiting the $100 bills, the large bills, the thing that actually carry weight, the things that actually carry value. And that's what we're seeing here. And today my guest is going to help me tackle this conversation. I'm going to have on Danny Silk. He is an author, speaker, pastor, counselor, and just a great voice in the Christian community. And Danny really does an awesome job at unpacking what it looks like when men like actually take ownership of what it is that we're supposed to be doing and why the enemy is so invested into keeping us from doing that. Hey, so just go ahead, put your phone down, put it in your pocket, head on your run, head on your drive, whatever it is, get ready for this week's show. Danny, what's going on? Hey buddy, how are you? Everything and nothing is going on. Yeah. (laughs) That's about the state of our country. That really does sum it up. Uh, Everything and nothing. And I will say, man, this is an honor to have you on. We spoke a little bit of how um, things really come back full circle and some of the seeds that you planted in men uh, long ago were actually uh, reaped and planted inside of me. And it's just, it's really cool how the Lord does that, right? I wanted to go ahead and introduce you, first of all, to our to the audience here, and then be able to discuss some stuff about masculinity. Um, so why don't you go ahead, uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit, and then let's jump into it. Well, I'm uh, probably 30 years in uh, the ministry as a pastor, as a, uh, we, we did years in adolescent juvenile offender, group home care. We did uh, foster care, social work, that sort of thing. Uh, Senior pastor uh, on a large team at Bethel Church for almost 15 years. In Sacramento now, I run in our ministry called Loving on Purpose. I've written uh, written and co-authored around eight or so books. And uh, we have something called the Loving on Purpose Life Academy, which is 
a bunch of life and relationship training skills for men and women and marriage, married couples, single people, parents, leaders, that sort of thing. And right now I have uh, Danny Silk Consulting and I do a lot of work with uh, senior teams, executive teams and the like. And, you know, I do want to just say real quick for anybody that has not uh, picked up any of Danny's books, first of all, links are going to be down below in the description. You need to get your hands on them. I will say uh, my relationship was transformed after listening to, um, or I'm sorry, after reading Keep Your Love On. And it's funny that uh, just recently my wife said, Hey, I think we need to read, keep your love on again. I'm like, well, why would you say that? She's like, I think you're starting to forget some of the principles. And I'm like, um, sure. I will. Uh, I will do that. She said, can we do that this month, the month of love? Right. And so we are, we're listening to it right now, actually. And I just have been so blessed by that book, guys. I encourage you to pick up, uh, keep your love on. But Danny, today, I want to dive into some of the topics that you haven't written a book about, but some of the topics you have been talking about in, in social media about restoring masculinity and how men get to it's a, the honor and the role of a man to lead a transformation and to bring heaven on earth. Um, and I'm sure for you, that started from like having it perfectly displayed, right? Like you, you had the perfect example. Is that, is that how it started? How you learned all your uh, um, relational tools and skills? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, between my wife and I, uh, there are our parents, you know, her two parents and her stepfather who raised her and my two parents, there are 15 marriages between those five people. Mm. So, uh, you know, we had some really great skills and examples of how to build a lasting family, not, right? So <laughs> we, we spent a good chunk of our early married life trying to unlearn uh, you know, a childhood full of stuff and really we weren't very clear on where to pick up new tools, but we did have, uh, you know, we were born again when we were both 21. So we had a, an understanding and a community that, that practiced and, uh, exemplified covenant. And that had been something we never, we never saw that before. We never, we never, uh, experienced whole families, uh, a whole devotion to a transformed life. We'd never seen that before. And so I think that's probably the key thing in our life that led us in the right direction. We had to go pick up the tools and we had to make the decisions. But having a community of people that were living covenant meaning that they'd lay down their lives for the, the protection of the relationships. That's really what led us to be who we are today. And, and grateful, I'm sure you are, for, for those examples, um, for yeah. the people around you that were able to show you how to do it the right way. Um, and how much of that would you say um, had to do with you as a man, as a leader of your house, saying yes first? A hundred percent of it. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent of my character and uh my my uh the strength that i have available has come from 
controlling myself, telling myself what to do and actually doing it. And where do you see the disconnect between young men, let's say in their 20s and 30s right now, as, you, as you're looking at the generation um, before you, where maybe we're not doing that as often? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? What, what are some things that you are noticing? Well, I, I think it's always been available, you know, probably since Adam that we could blame our life on somebody else. You know, when, when the Lord says, Adam, did you do that thing I told you not to do? Like Adam had one rule, right? He had like one rule he could break, one. And he breaks it. The Lord confronts him and he doesn't apologize and repent. He blames his decision on Eve, on the devil, and then on God. So he's out of those four characters in that scene, he's the only one that's not responsible for what he did. And so when you, when you build a powerless pa- paradigm, you, you end up looking someplace to assign responsibility, and it's away from you instead of in you. And I think until young men, people, but young men in particular, pull responsibility for their life and their decisions inside of themselves and wrestle with the reality that, yes, I make mistakes. Yes, I make poor decisions. Yes, I have lies that operate in my, in my belief system. Yes, I have character issues to address and, and reform I will, I will commit to doing that, you know, until it's, it's okay to learn and grow and make mistakes, then you'll always be so fragile that you need to blame other people for your mistakes. You know, I'll be completely vulnerable here um, in my relationship with my wife. There's times where I catch myself doing the Adam thing. She'll come to me and uh, she'll do this thing where she's like, you know, trying to explain how maybe I wasn't speaking kindly to her, you know, just let's say that that's the situation this time. And uh, let's just say I essentially kind of turn it around and say something like, well, if you would just speak kindly to me, then I could speak kindly to you. And and I just have like the Danny Silk head, I mean, voice in my head, just like, <laughs> you know, you're responsible for you. I'm responsible for myself. You're, you're responsible for yourself. Um, and let me give you I messages here. And man, is that hard, right? Like, I, I guess I think it's hard for our generation. I somehow think that maybe other generations had it easier, but maybe, maybe not, huh? No, it, it's, uh, it's, it's hardwired into human beings to try to self, self-preserve. Self-preservation is the, uh, it's, it, it's the character flaw, you know, is, uh, me trying to save me. Jesus said, you know, he who tries to save his own life will lose it. And so it's, it's, it's there. It's, uh, I, it is the antithesis to covenant. You know, covenant is I will lay my life down. It doesn't mean that I'm a passive wussy who won't ever confront anything. Uh, it, it, but it does, it does mean that I will fully own what I've contributed to the problem. Yeah. And I will dedicate myself to finding a solution with you. That that's never 
coming without a price. Um, and it, it comes with a heavy price sometimes because it's really, you're saying, you know, to take ownership of you, you're having to admit so much. And I think as uh, as a fatherless man, I can look at this and, and know and realize like, man, there was so many times where I had the opportunity, right? I had the chance to say, yes, let's, let's change. But I'm like, no, like I like my pride. I like my ego. You know, I'd have to admit that there's something wrong with me to be able to say, okay, maybe I can change here or there. And I'm sure that's the case with a lot of young guys. Um, and we're seeing this man, way, way, way too much as our, as our nation really um, is so fatherless, right? I'm looking around at every sphere of our, of our lives in schools, um, in the homes, in communities. Like you're talking a lot of times to fatherless men who are just trying to figure it out. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, it's a, it really is. We're we're living now. This is a generational thing. Um, we're living in a time where the enemy of God has successfully brainwashed people, especially men, but women too, because it's a, it's a it's a it's a two party system here. We need the cooperation between the two of them. Uh, f- to remove the father, the father, our father, has been removed from society as some sort of healthy move. And it's been housed in, in the United States, it's been housed in the separation of church and state. So that lie burrows into our education system, which then burrows into the morality of what children learn who spend primarily most of their time around at this point, an antichrist voice training them. Mm. And so we end up as a society with the father cut off of what we need to function as whole healthy men. It's actually better if you protect yourself from your father, if you, Uh, disassociate yourself from your father, if you reject your father's input, paradigm, morality, and embrace what turns out to be an orphaned heart. And an orphaned heart is, I'm in charge of me. I'm the smartest person I know. Life and the outcome of my life is up to me. Relationships are basically resources to help me position myself to protect myself and pleasure and possessions and wealth are what identify me as successful or as a failure. I think that's a, a great uh, description of the orphaned heart. And you're, you're pretty much describing me in my early, uh, my early twenties, right? The, the self-made man um, is all of that encompasses all of that. So what would you say then if you have an orphaned heart, um, what would you say then is the opposite of an orphaned heart? Even if you have like, you don't have a dad in the house, like you, no matter what, you, you know, how much you say, uh, you know, Hey, you're not an orphan when it's like, well, I don't have a dad. I don't have a father figure around. Mm-hmm. So what do you say? It, it's the transition of uh, realizing that I am I'm lost, and I do have a father. You know, I, 
and maybe it's not an earthly father, but I do have a father and he loves me and he has a covenant. He's made a covenant with me, but I am away from him. Uh, there is a story in the Bible that talks about that, that same scenario where a, a, a young man who has a father conf- confronts his father and says, I wish you were dead so that I could get the money that is coming to me. And the wild thing is that the father goes and gets the money and gives it to him. You know, most fathers, I, don't, I can't think of any father really that would just go, oh, okay, well, here you go. Because I know you're going to go waste it all. I know you're going to squander every cent of it. I know that you're a fool. You're a selfish fool. And I've worked hard to, to gather all these resources, all this benefit, this legacy. I've worked my whole life to give this to you. And you're going to go waste it because you're acting like an orphan. And that's exactly what happens, right? Yeah. But the story goes on to say the father looked out on the horizon waiting for his son to return to him. Longing. Not that the son would come back with a bunch of money, just that his son would come back, that he would have his son again. And sure enough, that boy... You know, he at the bottom of the pit, you know, he's living with the pigs, wishing he could eat some of what the pigs are getting. He comes to himself. He realizes, I'm a son. Yeah. I have a father. I'll probably have to punish myself. I'll punish myself. My shame wants me to punish myself mm-hmm. and to remove my life from sonship. At least I'll go back and he'll give me a job as a servant and he'll allow me to stay in the provision of his household as a servant. And that's the best that the son could come up with. But that is not at all what's in the heart of the father. And when the father sees the boy coming over the horizon, he runs out to him. So old men running is kind of a, not a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> and, um, but this old guy is running out yeah. across the field to get to his son. One of the reasons was because if anybody else got to him first, they could break that pottery and shame him because he, it's a broken life. You can never put that mm. pot back together. And he oh. gets out there and he, he, you know, throws his, his face into his son's neck, weeping, my son has returned, and restores him right there on the spot, probably stinking like a pig, restores his boy to son. And that story is about the father. It's not about the son. Everybody, mm. they call it the prodigal son. prodigal son, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the superstar father story is what yeah, that is. You're right. and that is the heart of the father. So until you actually grab a hold of that, pull that into your identity, you'll, you'll be a servant. You'll come to work for God. Mm. You'll, wow. you'll, you'll re-enter because you don't deserve the the depth and the width and the height of his love that's unconditional and nothing can separate you from it. You won't accept sonship until you work through servant. And then once you get, once you earn sonship, you, you don't understand it. You got, you, you just got promoted at work. 
you didn't get brought into the family. You just got promoted at work. Mm. And so now you're a boss. Now you're a boss of other servants. You're not a son who's become a father who wants the sons to experience the same thing. So I think by way of that, that story there, you, you answered, you know, the opposite of the orphaned heart is the restored heart. That right there is powerful, man. And really that that's a lot of my story. And, and from what I understand, even your story um, of just coming into an awareness and an understanding that no, 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 no. You have not been alone. You've never been alone. Actually, I claimed you as a son long before you were even born, long before yeah. you were paying attention to me. Wait. And that right there, that's powerful. And and I think, Danny, and what you've communicated so well is like, that is what we need to multiply 10x, <laughs> 100x. And when we do, we're going to see a transformation, a generation that actually would rise up and take hold of their identities in Christ and would actually start transforming culture. Um, yeah. I, I made a post the other day that said something like, you know, current culture makes you decide between masculinity and Christianity, but it's only when the two are combined that you actually will change culture. Yeah. And there's been such a distortion around what masculinity can be. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, we've, we've taught our, our boys in school, especially that the gold standard of behavior, personality, temperament is female. Mm. And we, and we, we discipline boys until they become more feminine. And so men being men and men are, men are warriors. Men are dangerous. Men are, are violent. Men are uh, selfish. Men are lots of, you know, crazy things that if men don't govern themselves in the context of love, they are going to prison. Hmm. You know, they are, you know, outlaws. They are mafia bosses that, you know, it's craziness. If you don't manage yourself in Christ likeness, the devil will take you on a journey to be inhumane, inhuman. So if heaven is Christ-like, you've become so Christ-like, you have entered heaven. Realize that the devil's journey for a man is to disintegrate him so much that he's unrecognizable as a human created in God's image. So perfect integration is the shalom of heaven. Hell is perfect disintegration and unhuman. That's powerful. And that's what's, that's what's being like served on a silver platter right now in society. Like this is, this is right. Yeah. I mean, look at, watch a music video. (laughs) Watch a music video and watch the disintegration of human beings into animal-like character. Yeah. And that's the goal of Lucifer is to war against mankind, those created in the image of God. If he can get mankind to willingly participate 
in their own disintegration, he he wins. The tricky thing is like we're all looking for a devil with like pitchforks, you know? Yeah. We're yeah. looking for him in, in his red tights. And you can be like, not today, Satan, right? But it's like, no, buddy, just the, it's just in that commercial, uh, you know, that our kids are watching on Cartoon Network that why, why are they showing bras on commercial? You know what I mean? On Cartoon Network. Um, it, it's just in the small little things that we're allowing in, like you said, music videos, um, you know, they'll ban us playing some kind of, um, you know, worship music anywhere, but man, let's listen to, uh, some Cardi B and set that as the example for our young women nowadays. Yeah. 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 I forget that Santa Claus song that was so offensive, but uh, Santa baby, right? <laughs> Boy, that is just so, <laughs> so, so out there. Or, or no, you know what? The baby, it's cold outside, right? Yeah. Like where the guy's like, you know, flirting with the girl and everything. Yeah. That was such a big deal. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Gosh. The thing really is that it's, it's, this culture is, is created by leadership, right? So a music video is a fruit of a culture that was created by the most powerful decision makers in that industry. And so, you know, we can fight all day against the apples falling off the tree. You know, we can we can cry about rotten apples all day, but it isn't until you remove the tree mm. that you actually solve the problem. You can create yeah. machines that pick up rotten apples, you know, and that's great. And maybe create a whole industry around rotten apple cleanup, but it never deals with the issue that is creating the problem. Wow. And that is the leadership. Wow. If the leadership is anti-Christ, everything in that organization will be tuned to the anti-Christ fork. And so you you look across our society and you see at the top levels of all the influences in our society, whether it's banking or sports or entertainment or politics, you name it, you, you look across the top tiers and when it is an antichrist leadership culture, that is only what is rewarded in the organization and Christ likeness will be punished. Mm. Man, it, look at social media and you can see that, right? A lot That's of us. You, right now. It's happening right now. Yeah. If you don't conform, you are punished out. And that's culture. That's culture. I mean, if you move back in the day, if you moved to Texas and you had your, um, you know, you didn't get boots in a, in a cowboy hat and you weren't looking like them. We just don't trust you, city boy. We just don't <laughs> trust you. You know, you're just going to move. Our, we'll move you right out of our organization. Yeah. Yeah. It happens a hundred percent in culture. I like the analogy that you gave about the trees uh, and, and the apples falling because, you know, as good Christians, like well-meaning Christians, we will create, you know, a ministry around cleaning up apples. Like let's keep our, you know, world clean of rotten apples. And so there's this ministry. We're just serving the Lord, you know, sweet. <laughs> and all we're doing, man, all this busy work, because maybe we lack the boldness to say, 
no, actually God created government. God created this structure and he called us to be there to influence from the top. Um, but maybe the best that we do is kind of just send up a prayer, you know, and we just, we just pray for that industry. Hopefully one day they, they, they get it together. Yeah. It's somebody else's job to do that. It's not my job. Mm -hmm. I'm powerless. Yeah. So I'll blame the way I participate in the system. I'll blame that on somebody else. Like, well, I can't do that because they'll cancel me. You know, I can't do that because they'll punish me. Like, well, I I guess it's been a long time since we experienced persecution as Christians. uh, (laughs) Because we're trying to hide it now. Now I'm trying to hide that I'm a Christian. Like, whoa, man, they find out I'm a Christian, they might hurt me. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, it's welcome to the day, baby, because it's it's uh it's make yourself known day. Yeah. Or or maybe people will stop agreeing with me, right? Because right now I'm I'm just saying things so people can uh can keep agreeing with me. And if I start bringing this up, I'll be disagreeable. I think it was Thomas Sowell, <laughs> Thomas Sowell who said, uh if if I care about you, I'll tell you the truth. If I want something from you, I'll tell you what you want to hear. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) So true. And man, is it that we just, we're just sitting by and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they mean well, right? Like it's actually easier for our brains, our human nature to say, we trust those people at the top, or we trust them to make the right decisions for us. So we just, you know, we just receive what culture or society is saying as good because we don't have the time or maybe even the desire to really push back, um, to find out if this is just being fed to me because, you know, it's, it's something else, you know? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of things, huh? Because some of it is just learned helplessness. You know, parents train their children to conform and obey. You know, when you're little and you're powerless, I pick you up, I I hit you, I intimidate you, I dominate you. And so hopefully when you get older, you'll never rise up and take me on. I mean, that's worst case scenario. That's the ugliest form. But, you know, that is really the yellow truck, red truck form of uh, in one of my books, uh, Loving Your Kids on Purpose. I use this analogy of these two, this huge yellow dump truck and this little red utility truck got run over. And it's a great picture. But um, we set up the I have all the power, you have no power structure throughout the organization. So people learn very early that they just don't have the power to do anything about what the culture creators are doing. Mm. You know, so military, I mean, military would be a great illustration of you don't feel like you can change what's going on up there. You're pretty much like, yes, sir. Or I just created a problem pie that I'm going to have to eat. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so that, that element is, it is real. It's, but it's not uh, without solution, meaning that the power of God is at work in the obedience of the saints and in righteousness. 
you know, and so there, 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 there is a requirement of the saints to actually practice obedience to God, who all things are in submission to and answer to. But when the saints won't even do their part because yeah. they're so they're so concerned about their own life, then it makes it tough for heaven to be credible. Because if you promote corrupt believers to the top positions, you still end up with the same problem. Yeah. So if the fire refines us, you know, that uh, hard times make strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, you know? Wow. That cycle. Yeah. You know, so you have that loop going on and we're coming out of a whole bunch of good times and we've produced a whole bunch of weak, selfish, scared men. Yeah. Wow. And here come hard times, baby. Yeah. No kidding. And, you know, I I heard somebody say recently that um, 2020, 2020 was meant to be a year of great awakening, but because we sat around and just twiddled our thumbs and we just said, oh, it's going to get better. Right. We just sat around like kind of looking outside of our windows and waiting for like this whole thing to die down that like 2021 is actually going to be a year of rude awakening. <laughs> rude awakening. Yeah. <laughs> great. Right? Rude awakening. Yeah, well, I think it's it's probably hand in hand. Probably the great, <laughs> great awakening is rude because that's harsh. Repentance yeah. is harsh. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I I love some of the memes that people have passed around that say, you know, kind of in, in line with what you're saying here. It's something along the lines of, you know, men in 1400s who like seen injustices and they're like, you know, ch- charging like swords in hand, like, Hey, we are not going to stand for this injustice men in 2020 when they see injustice, just like flipping through the channel. Yeah. Tweet, tweet. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. That's not fair. (laughs) Let me get up. (laughs) Oh man. Not too many people like that one. Let me delete it. You know, I didn't get enough likes or retweets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I hope I, I hope, you know what? No, I hope some people are offended today, Danny. Defended in a way and kind of inspired to be like, you know what, man, they're right. Right. Like there, there's something that needs to change in me. Um, there's something that I need to be doing and I need to stop waiting for other people to do it for me. If I just had a good pastor that would teach me, if I just had a good father that would have te- that would have taught me, um, I think it's time men to wake up. So Danny, in just some closing remarks, why don't you speak to those men um, that are just coming alive right now? Yeah, well, I think that it is a rude awakening to discover that you're standing in a mistake that you made. You know, it's it's uh, it is it is a challenge to to own your life and to own your future and 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 to connect the dots between the two, because it is the decisions that you make today that will create the tomorrow that you live in. And there's nothing you can do about that. And nobody's going to change that for you. It's, it's actually ownership. It is ownership that determines outcome. And you, you, you'll, one way or another, you'll create an outcome. You will, um, you'll, you'll create one that is loaded with more mistakes and more excuses and, and um, uh, <clears throat> continuing in the same, or you actually Take advantage of the moment because repentance is actually 
the path to a restored heart. Repentance allows you to be reconciled to God, be reconciled to your wife, be reconciled to your own heart, be reconciled to leaders in your life, be reconciled to truth. It's repentance that puts you into reconciliation that establishes restoration. So until we, we accept a gift, and it's a gift, not a switch. I'm mm. sorry doesn't do it. Tears and, and snot doesn't do it. It's repentance that does it. And so I don't care if you're sorry. I don't care if you're sorry. I don't care about your promises. I don't want to hear any of them. I want to know that you've repented and that you found what the problem was and you have a plan to deal with it. And until you do, you'll continue in your path, blubbering, sorry, every time your wife catches you in porn, every time you get too drunk, every time you lie, every time you'll get caught, you'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. That was my mistake. You're so good to me. Oh, I hope he kicked you out. Because sorry doesn't matter. Repentance is the only thing that matters. And so a confession and repentance are two different planets. Wow. And so in, in repentance is where you will be restored. In repentance is where you'll find truth and righteousness. In repentance is the, is the new covenant. New covenant doesn't work without repentance. Yeah. You know, I'd usually do a sign off where I uh, let everybody know, you know, hey, keep doing the hard work, continue to march. Uh, but I think today's is, hey, start doing the hard work about face, <laughs> you know, 180 degrees, head in that direction and now begin the march. So, so applicable. So good. Man, I'm so happy we took it there, Danny. Um, where can people get connected with you? Um, where's the best place to send them? Uh, lovingonpurpose.com. Yeah. Yeah. That'll start your journey. Um, you know, a bunch of what I was talking about today is written in the book Unpunishable, which was mm. the last book I, I finished. And uh, it, it, it really, really helps just deal with the, the, the shame versus the sonship. You know, that is, that really is what we have to deal with is the whole topic of punishment. I love that. Guys, all of the links are going to be down below. Uh, So you can go ahead and check Danny out. Get connected with him on Instagram. I love everything that you put out, Danny. It's motivating. It's inspiring. And I'm just like, get fired up. Like, I want to love my wife well. And I also want to war well. And I also want to like, you take it to a new level, man. Uh, So thank you for everything you're doing. Gentlemen, until next time, continue to march.